You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Verses like Isaiah 55, 6 scare me for those people who are not seeking. Because it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Is there a time coming when the Lord won't be found? I believe so. According to scripture, I believe so. That there's time coming when the Lord cannot be found. And that's scary to me because I have loved ones that I don't think are seeking the Lord. I have loved ones that aren't drawn into his kingdom, that aren't born again or saved. And if they're not seeking the Lord, what's going to happen when he can't be found? Those who aren't seeking the Lord are now at risk of missing the opportunity to find Him. Pastor Dave teaches us today that Jesus and the salvation that He offers will only be available for so long. A day will come where those who failed to find Him will be lost. Go out and share Jesus. Help people find Him while they still can. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 2. As he begins his message, what are they talking about? You are This morning, we are going to be continuing in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, please open to Acts 2. We're in verses 5 through 13 today. So if you'll read silently, I will read aloud. Acts 2, verses 5 through 13. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they were full of new wine. It seems that there was this preacher who gave a mighty sermon, and at the conclusion of his message, he went back and stood at the back of the church and greeted the worshipers as they filed out. As one of the worshipers shook the pastor's hand, he said, thanks for the message, Reverend, you know, I bet you're smarter than Einstein. Beaming with pride, the minister said, Why, thank you, brother. As the week went by, the minister began to think about the man's compliment. The more he thought about it, the more he wondered why anyone would deem him smarter than Einstein. So the following Sunday morning, the preacher asked the man, Exactly what did you mean when you said, I'm smarter than Einstein? The man replied, Well, reverend, they say that Einstein was so smart that only ten people in the world can understand him. But reverend, no one can understand you. As you see through this example, understanding what people are saying is extremely important to us. Understanding what's being said could be the difference between a compliment and a negative remark. Likewise, the Word of God. Understanding what someone might be saying about God is extremely important, not only to the believer, but to anyone else who might be listening as well. 
This understanding of God through God's Word by the Holy Spirit could be the difference between salvation and damnation. So the Word of God is extremely important whenever anyone is speaking and talking about the praises of God. In the past several messages that we've spent on Sunday morning here since we've begun the book of Acts, we've been talking about being biblically based. And we've been talking about taking what we know biblically and applying it correctly to our lives. We call it the application process. Being biblically based and correctly applying God's Word is extremely important to us as Christians. It's extremely important as we walk this Christian walk that God has led us on. Last week, we began chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And we spoke about the correct application of the gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit, in particular the gift of tongues. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very important to the Christian's life as well. As we continue our study today in the book of Acts in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has now come. Fell upon the believers that were gathered in an upper room, some 120 of them. It was Pentecost Sunday, some 50 days after Passover. 50 days after the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It had been 10 days since Jesus ascended into heaven. 10 long days without their Savior. 10 long days of waiting, as the Lord had told them to do. Wait for the promise of the Father. 10 days of what appeared to be frustration. We talked about that possible frustration when they made the move to elect another to take Judas' place. We talked about that. But on that day, Pentecost Sunday, the promise of the Father came, just as Jesus said it would. The Holy Spirit came upon them. When this happened, there was a sound as a a rushing wind. This sound accompanied the Spirit. There was also tongues as of fire appearing over the heads of those that were sitting in each position. These were unknown tongues, but they were unknown to those that were speaking them. They were not unknown to those that were hearing This commotion started drawing a crowd within the temple because we said that the upper room was probably one of those very, very large rooms in the temple itself. So we begin, when we look at verses 5 and 6, it says, And there dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. There's several things worth noticing here. First of all, they were devout men. And the word here in the Greek is yolabes. It means pious, religious, God-fearing. Remember, all these men were Jews from every nation, and they had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. They were there for a reason. They were in the temple, and they were seeking God. They were going through the rituals that God had commanded them to do in Leviticus 23, where he set up all the feast days and told them how to commemorate these feasts. That's what they were doing in the temple at that time. They were celebrating the feast. They were making sacrifices and giving up offerings to God. They were really in a great place because their minds were focused on God. Their minds were focused on the things of God, and they were in obedience to God's Word. You know, seeking God can never be discounted. Seeking God is always a wonderful thing because throughout the Word of God, throughout Scriptures, we read many things that those that seek the Lord will find Him. In Isaiah 55, verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. In Deuteronomy, it says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 4, 49. The psalmist writes, 
but those who seek the Lord shall not lack anything good. Psalm 34, verse 10. So throughout the Scriptures, we see that seeking the Lord is a good thing because as we seek the Lord, He reveals Himself to us and we find Him indeed in the perfect place. So that's what these men were doing. They were seeking God. They were obeying God's commandments as written down in the Torah, in the law of Moses. They were obeying God's laws. So they were in a very, very good place. You know, God always rewards those that diligently seek Him. You know, verses like Isaiah 55, 6 scare me for those people who are not seeking. Because it says, seek the Lord while He may be found. Is there a time coming when the Lord won't be found? I believe so. According to Scripture, I believe so, that there's time coming when the Lord cannot be found. And that's scary to me because I have loved ones that I don't think are seeking the Lord. I have loved ones that aren't brought into His kingdom, that aren't born again or saved. And if they're not seeking the Lord, what's going to happen when He can't be found? What's going to happen to them? So I'm worried about this. But the prophet, who was Isaiah, he impresses an urgency on God's people. He said, this is the time. God can be found right now. Seek Him right now. It isn't that God is hidden and can only be found right now. It is that He can only be found when our hearts are inclined towards Him. Where's your heart today? Are you inclined towards God? Well, you must be because you're here on a Sunday morning sitting here listening to God's Word. So your heart is in a good place. Your heart is inclined towards God. You are seekers of God's love. And God will reward your seeking by giving you knowledge. That's why when we prayed, we said, Lord, there is something special for each of us today. Because the Lord drew you in here for a specific reason. You may think, oh, I'm going to church because that's what I do on a Sunday. But God's providential hand said, no, I'm drawing you into this place where the Word of God is going to be taught, and there's something specifically in here for you today. It may have already happened in the worship. Maybe there was a song that ministered to you that we sung. Maybe in the fellowship. Maybe as I'm teaching the Word of God, there's something that's going to hit you. Maybe in the fellowship afterwards when you're having a cup of coffee. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God's plan is perfect, and that's why you're here today. You are not here by coincidence. It's not something that you decided to do. Well, I got up in the morning, and I decided to go to church. Yeah, but whose idea was it? It was God's idea. It was the Lord that brought you here. It was the Lord that brought you here and gave you that thought. So we seek Him while we can find Him. We must receive this gift, and we must make the most of it when we have it. Not seeking and failing to call upon his name when he is near means that we will not receive the blessings and the promise. Let me repeat that. If we don't seek the Lord and if we don't call upon him when he is near, we will miss out on the blessings, which is his promises. We all need things in our lives. There are things that we have that were built with a need. And my God shall supply all my riches, all my needs through who? Christ Jesus. So as we seek the Lord, He provides for us, and He sustains us with His love and sustains us with His need. So we have these devout men seeking God, and they were in the best possible place they could be. They were being faithful to God, and now God was going to reveal Himself to them in a most, most unusual way. He was going to reveal His heart to them, and He was going to change their hearts. The sound came like a rushing wind. Imagine it probably sounded like a tornado, but yet there was no wind. They heard this sound, and it drew them together as one. I don't know what the, which sound drew them together. Was it the sound of the wind, or was it the sound that they were making? Because everybody was talking at the same time. 
What drew them together? I don't think it was the noise that confused them so much. To think that the, the gospel says it was confused. I don't think the, it was that they were confused so much through the noise as they were when they heard their own languages being spoke. I mean, look what it says. It says that in verse 6, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused. Why? Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Everyone heard their own dialect being talked, and they recognized it. They were able to pick out their language and go, wait a minute. He's talking to me. He's talking my language. How does he know my language? If you're in a crowd and somebody calls out your name, your specific name, do you think you'll hear it? You might. A couple years ago, my daughter and her family came from Colorado to visit us. And as usual, when they get here, they love to go over to Wildwood and walk the boardwalk. And I was a school teacher in Wildwood High School for quite some time. So we're on Maury's Pier, the one down at 24th Street. We're on Maury's Pier, and it's, in, it's really getting close to night, and all the lights are on, and there must be a trillion people there. And all the rides are going on, there's noise everywhere. You can barely hear yourself think, and there's people all over the place, and I'm with my, my grandchildren and my daughter and my, my son, my wife. We're all there together. And all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, I hear in the loudspeaker, Hello, Mr. Shank. Hello, Mr. Shank. And I recognize it. Above everything else, I recognize it. I look around, and all of a sudden my wife looks at me and says, you're Mr. Shank. I went, yeah? I looked around, and there in a booth, in one of the booths, were two of my high school girls that I had in class with a microphone going, hey, Mr. Shank, how are you? Hey, Mr. Shank. But I recognize my name is what I'm getting at. Above all that crowd, above all that nonsense, above everybody talking and mumbling and all the rides and stuff, I heard my name and I recognized it. That's what's happening right here. They walk in, this huge sound is drawing them. What the heck? Did you hear that sound? Let's go over there. They go in there and they're standing there. And then all these guys are speaking in all different languages. And they're like, and they all of a sudden, they, boom, they zero on the guy that's speaking directly to them because it's their language. And they understand it. And they're like, Wow. Wow. And look what it says in verse 7 and 8. They were amazed and they were marveled. They were amazed and they were marveled because how could this be? Look, are not these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now, you may not know this, but the Galileans, the people from Galilee, were not known to be think tankers. They weren't known to be very intelligent people. In fact, they were considered very ignorant. They were considered very, very country, country bumpkins, if you will. You know, these guys from Galilee, they were just, you know, oh, don't hang around with those guys. They lacked social standings and they lacked social graces. But here they are speaking in the dialects. How can this guy, these are Galileans. How can they do this? But every one of these devout men heard their language being spoken Perfectly, and they marveled at the amazing linguistic powers of these Galileans. How could these guys possibly do that? Well, we know how. We saw it because last week in Acts 1 through 4, we saw what happened. In Acts 1 through 4, they were all gathered together in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit came down, and they had that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. And that word dunamis in the Greek means dynamite. That this fantastic explosive power was given to them. They didn't go out and sit there and study, okay, now you're going to speak in Medes, and you're going to speak in Persian, and you're going to, you know, so they sat there and studied what they were going to say before they left the room. No, they were just sitting there. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and all of a sudden, they're speaking. 
I'm sure they were just as surprised as these other guys were. But they were obedient to God's word, and they allowed God to work through them. They received this power. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Look at the countries that were represented in verses 9 through 11a. Look at all these countries. Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome. You wonder how the church in Rome got started? There were visitors from Rome there that day. There were visitors right here from Rome, and they heard this, and they were drawn into it, and maybe some of these visitors from Rome were one of, some of the 3,000 that are going to be saved at the end of Peter's message, coming up in a couple weeks. Maybe they were, that's how they received it, and guess what they did? They took it back to Rome. What was the purpose in Acts 1.8? Remember Acts 1.8 when we studied it? And you shall be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. Here, God's plan is now being carried out. His Holy Spirit is upon the church, and it's being carried out. God's plan today is for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and spread God's gospel in in North Cape May, in Cape May, in Middle Township, all of Cape May County, all of New Jersey, going into Delaware, going far parts into Panama, the outermost regions of the world sharing God's Word, fulfilling the Great Commission as Jesus has asked us to do. But you can't fulfill the Great Commission if you're not filled with the gas power of God, which is the Holy Spirit. If I have a great big truck and I want to move all my belongings from here over to California and I don't put any gas in it, I'm not going to get very far. God is the power behind the movement. God is the power in us to create and commit the Great Commission, the Holy Spirit of God. These men, these devout men had come to enjoy the feast and obey God, and now by God's providential hand, they were being drawn by the Holy Spirit into God's love. God had assembled them in the walls of the temple for this very time. God was preparing their hearts to receive the gospel message that was going to come from Peter. Peter's going to speak the gospel message. Peter's going to stand up, and he's going to give this wonderful, beautiful three-point sermon. It's going to take us three weeks to get through it. He's going to give this wonderful three-week, three-point sermon, and 3,000 people are going to come to the Lord, just like that. Not through any preparation, not through sitting down and studying, because we already talked about how well Peter knew the Word of God, how they were biblically based. And now he was going to stand up. God was opening their eyes. God was opening the ears of these devout men, preparing them to receive what God, what God wanted to say to them through Peter. He wanted to relate to them in a new way. They were killing things in the temple. They were offering burnt sacrifices. And God was saying, no more. No more. We're not doing it that way anymore. No longer would they have to make sacrifices. Because the one true sacrifice had already been taken care of 50 days earlier. Jesus Christ the righteous was sacrificed for me. Sacrificed for you. Sacrificed for us. Sacrificed for the entire world. And God says, I'm not going to accept that anymore. God no longer requires a burnt offering. He no longer requires sacrifice. Well, what does he require? Glad you asked. The psalmist David, in Psalm 51, in verses 15 through 17, tells us this. He says, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are this a broken spirit, 
a broken and contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. We don't have to come to the Lord with the blood of a dead animal. We don't have to put that animal on the barbecue and send up the smoke for God. We don't have to follow the Mosaic law when it talks about how to kill this for this sin and how to do that for that sin. No, there's been one sacrifice, one sacrifice only. That sacrifice took place 50 days before the falling of the Holy Spirit. That sacrifice was the pure, spot, blemished Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, that sacrifice was finished once and for all. No more other sacrifices will take place. You can sacrifice all you want. You can sacrifice all the animals you want. You will never get any closer to God than you are now. But with Jesus Christ, with the pure sacrifice, the only sacrifice, the finished sacrifice. Remember, he said, it is finished. It's done. It's completed. God's done with this. No more sacrifice. But a broken and contrite heart. What does that mean? That means you feel something in here and you want to get back to God. You start seeking God again. There's something wrong in my life, Lord. I don't know what it is. I need you. When you open up like that to God, God recognizes that. And he fills you with that Holy Spirit. He fills you with the Holy Spirit, which is who? It's him. He's filling you with himself. So you will never, ever be alone. You will never, ever be away from the presence of God because God has said, I know how goofy you are, David. I know how goofy you are. If I gave you me, you'd misplace me. So I'm going to make it even so easy that you can't mess it up. I'm going to put myself inside you. Thanks, Lord, because you know me real well, don't you? Because I would. I'd misplace it. I'd put it someplace where it's not supposed to be. I'd probably put it in my room where I keep everything else. You don't want to go there. The Lord wants to commune now on a personal level. He wants to commune with a personal level relationship with each person. Everyone in this room, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Why do you think the Jews called him Jehovah? I am the becoming one. Because everyone in this room right now needs something from God. And every one of us might need something different. We all need the same thing, salvation. He says, I am salvation. What do you need? I need healing. I am healing. I need joy. I am joy. I need peace. I am peace. He is what we need today for um. He wants to get individual with you. He wants to get personal with you. And he wants to give you those things. Guess what? If you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, he's already given those things to you. I've been given everything for life and godliness through Jesus Christ. I have it in me. It's in me. And I have it. You know, this is so much like our God, setting things up in our lives so that we would have a chance to hear the gospel message, preparing us in advance to hear his word, preparing us that we have hearts to receive his word, and that's what he does. He prepares you in advance. He's so longing to have a relationship with us. He's so longing to have a relationship with you, with me, with the whole world. All these men were from every nation. They were amazed and they were marveled by what was happening in front of them. They must be asking, saying, what does this mean? What are these guys saying? You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.